Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers and today, listeners, we have an expert on the line and we are going to be having an affiliate SEO masterclass from Mr. Mark Whitman. Hello, Mark. Hi, Kieran. So tell us, who are you and what do you do, Mark? Yeah, so I do affiliate SEO, which I guess we'll discuss in a little bit more detail. We fully are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We want to know who you are, where you're from, what you do, all that stuff. So before um, I got into the online marketing world, I was a management consultant in London. Mm -hmm. And around 2012, I started reading books on online marketing. I was like, this is definitely for me. There was a book at the time called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Oh, such a good book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of my my Bible. I read that back in 2009. And then it took me about three to four years to extricate myself from management consulting corporate (laughs) world and actually jump uh, out the plane and build my parachutes on the way down. But yeah, decided to, to get into online marketing and initially focused on various uh, elements Dr- drop shipping was one of them yeah. i did some amazon fba which maybe your audience is familiar with which is effectively selling on amazon right and then found myself kind of trending towards search engine optimization and started mm-hmm. building websites to target specific niches and keywords and kind of cut my teeth over the next three to four years building up some sites to, to rank for keywords all right and then, yeah, a couple of years back, we launched a content marketing agency called Content Select, where we offer search engine optimized content for, for clients, either affiliate marketers or actually small businesses. And Mark, you are living the dream because you parachuted into, well, not just anywhere, but into Guernsey. Is that right? Well, <laughs> That's where you're now. And like, I, I, I've got this vision of you now, like you, you're in Guernsey, living the high life and just working four hours a week. That's no more, no less. Not far from the street. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, initially, we actually, uh, my wife and I went traveling, and we spent three to four years on the road. We started off in Southeast Asia and Vietnam, where there was quite a large digital nomad community. Mm-hmm. And digital nomadism was really in its early stages there. So yeah, there was some kind of pioneers who had you know, left their, their corporate jobs and, and decided to go to either Thailand or, or Vietnam or somewhere exotic and set themselves up in a hammock and try and make some money online. Nowadays, that's a much more common thing, I, I believe. Uh, but we did it for three to four years and then eventually went back to London in 2016 and moved to Guernsey about two years ago. Yeah, and because I know a lot of our listeners, they'll have this pipe dream of, you know, one day I'll set up on my own and mm. I'll do stuff. I'm like, what advice would you give people that are, like you were thinking about it, but it, it's always that terrifying prospect of, of making it happen. Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would just do it. You know, uh, the, the fear of not doing it should not stop you. Um, the benefits and rewards of taking that leap and, and sticking with it are extraordinary. But I think at the same time, you need to be realistic. It's it's There's no kind of quick and easy path. Some people obviously have achieved quick success, but in general, in my experience, most people I know have um, managed to you know, build a small business. It takes a number of years. There's this um, 
theory about the thousand day rule, which effectively the the premise is it takes about a thousand days to go from from zero to replacing your income prior yeah. to, to jumping off. That's obviously a rough measure, but that's three years and a lot of people don't have the staying power. But if you can persevere, I think uh, the rewards at the end are, are in, yeah, incredible. Fantastic. I love that. We're all only a thousand days away from independence if we focus yeah. on it. Yeah, that's, that's good. So give us a, a little short overview of affiliate search engine optimization because this fascinated me like seo definitely one of my favorite subjects i've written books about it but mm. affiliate seo ooh, this was a new one like oh really like search engine optimization is hard can you actually still get it to work with the affiliate campaigns you know, i'm fascinated there's so many questions like what is it how does this work you can absolutely get it to work. The, the foundational concepts around SEO are, are no different. So whether you're trying to rank a, a non-affiliate content versus affiliate content, the principles are still the same. The term affiliate SEO is really just focusing on the types of keywords that one would be targeting. Mm -hmm. um, so in the affiliate space, what you're trying to do is you're trying to target keywords where the visitor is near the end of their, their purchasing journey. So yeah perhaps haven't decided on a product or a brand. Um, they're perhaps comparing one or two products. And you know they're just looking for that additional nudge, that confirmation before they're going to make a purchase. Yeah. And so you're inserting yourself into the value chain at that point. Uh -huh. And there's obviously many keywords uh, that target those types of end of funnel or near end of funnel journeys. So our customers at this stage have literally got their credit cards in their hot little hands. Exactly. For someone to buy, yeah. Yeah. And so how would you go about identifying the search phrases? Are they like the really obvious ones or, or are there any tricks or tips you can share with us? Generally, it is actually pretty obvious. Um, most of the keywords will begin with the word best. Um, <laughs> ah, okay. Not necessarily buy. No, not necessarily buy because buy oh. might be more targeted towards a, an e-commerce uh, keyword. So right. to okay. give you an example, let's say, let's take a product and you think of an example, let's say in the golf space, and you've got a, a website, an e-commerce website where you're selling golf equipment and you're selling, say, the new TaylorMade driver. So the keyword might be, say, the TaylorMade M6 driver. Now, for an affiliate marketer, you probably wouldn't try target that keyword mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to be competing with all the e-commerce platforms that yep. sell Taylor M6 drivers. Yep. Yep. What you might target is TaylorMade M6 driver versus Callaway Epic driver. Right. Now that person's obviously looking for a comparison. They haven't quite made their purchasing decision, but they're obviously comparing these two. Mm -hmm. And that would be an affiliate keyword that you would go after. How do you go about finding your niches? What, what signals do you look for? So the, the first thing I consider is, does this niche have products or services that are of a reasonable value? Um, and what I mean by that is if you're going to be targeting, say, book reviews, obviously books are incredibly cheap. So the, the amount of money you can make is limited by the value of the product. Um, you are earning a very small commission <laughs> on the product value. So going back to the golf example obviously a, a golf driver is much more expensive than a book two to three hundred pounds for a driver and so five percent commission on that is obviously a lot more attractive so that that would qualify it as yeah. potentially a good niche uh, the next thing is to you know are there affiliate yeah. programs in the niche so you know are there 
e-commerce websites that have affiliate programs that you can sign up to promote their products or services. And there's many platforms to figure that out. So you've got your classic kind of ClickBank type affiliates, which mainly focus around digital products. But there's also major affiliate platforms like Commission Junction or Avant Link or Link Connector, Share a Sale, Rakuten. And so you can go in there and you can have a look at all of their advertisers and, and get a sense of who's got affiliate programs inside your niche. Then I will look at like what are the affiliate commissions in the niche. So a lot of e-commerce sites, the commissions range between say 5% and 10%, which is fine, but obviously you need a high product value. Whereas there's other niches that have much higher commissions. So a classic example would be in the hosting niche. So that's website hosting, where you know, nowadays website hosts provide commissions that exceed the value of the product for the first year. <laughs> actually paying you more money than they make that's amazing yeah yeah sometimes they're paying two years in advance to you so for example if you're sending someone to GoDaddy to sign up to just their shared hosting program and you're a decent size affiliate for GoDaddy yeah they would pay you a hundred to 150 dollars per sign up for a product that's three dollars fifty per month (laughs) <laughs> it's crazy. And that's just because it's an incredibly sticky product and they build in uh, additional costs like domains and SSL certificates I've and various that. other yeah, there's things. There's lots of upsells time. and cross-sells, isn't there, within that market? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Whereas like, then you get other affiliate programs that are where you're effectively an affiliate of an affiliate. <laughs> so if you think of, say, Skyscanner, so Skyscanner is comparing flight details and they're getting a commission from the airlines. And then if you're promoting Skyscanner, you're getting a commission of their commission. And so again, you need to be sending an insane amount of traffic to Skyscanner to actually yeah. make decent money. That would be true of Booking.com and all yeah. of these aggregators. Oh, and then finally, the most important thing is I would look at the competition yeah. in, the, in the niche. Just to see, you know, yeah. like I mentioned hosting. Yeah, the commissions are amazing, but the competition is just insane. So you, know, you, you, you really need to have some serious <laughs> SEO chops to run in the hosting space nowadays. You must find that, like the, the higher the commissions, the more the... It's not just insane. It's also, like I don't know if your audience is familiar with negative SEO. So you know, the, yeah. the more money to be made, the more weird, dark, dangerous <laughs> things happen on the internet. So... Yeah, hosting would be a classic example. It's it's a very, very, very valuable niche. There's many people making an obscene amount of money um, promoting hosting providers, uh, but the competition is incredibly yeah. difficult. Yeah, we have that on the Isle of Wight with shellfish fishermen. <laughs> yeah. That's a cutthroat yeah. world as well. Yeah, yeah. that might be a Get off my lobsters. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, choosing a niche, I would go through yep. those things. Competition, yep. commissions, are they products to sell? Are the value yeah, of the products okay. high enough? Right. So what, what kind of signals are you looking around when, when you are, like, you've got your niche, right? You've built some good content uh, around that niche. And it, like, I think increasingly the content needs to be exceptionally good, right? Uh, particularly in this space, because you're trying to influence actual people. This isn't about just influencing an algorithm to rank well. But in my experience, increasingly, that seems to be what Google are are very focused on with the search engines. Well, what what do people actually do? How do you go about picking the keywords and how niche do you go? And what kind of volumes are you looking for on that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, once you've got your niche, then the, the quickest way to find keywords that have commercial intent in your niche is yeah. to look at your competition. Um, and you can literally go, you know, pull up the top 10 or top 20 websites and just start browsing them uh, using a tool like Ahrefs, which will analyze their content and tell you all the keywords that that site is ranking for. And you can effectively dissect the competition right. to figure out the keywords. Okay. So you're letting them do a lot of the um, keyword grunt work. Exactly. The tool does the grunt work and you, your competitors have done the grunt work effectively as well. And so once you've got your keywords, if we go back to the golf example, let's say a classic keyword might be best golf drivers, um, where you're going to provide a comparison of, say, the top best golf yep. drivers for 2020. And then you get variations on that. So it could be best golf drivers for beginners or best yep. golf drivers for ladies or for seniors or for juniors. And all of those would be separate keywords. So you can build your keyword list. But as you've mentioned, um, back in the day when I started, you could literally whack up average content or even below average content and have a fighting chance of ranking. Whereas that's yeah. definitely not the case today. You need, you need content that is not only better than your competitors, and Google thinks it's better than your competitors, but you also need content that is beautifully presented yeah. to the user and directs the user to take the action that you want them to take. So this is all about conversion yeah. rate optimization. Yeah. That's good. So let's just talk about some of the recent changes in Google that have had you changing how you're working on a, on a day-to-day basis. Since I started in 2012, 2013, the focus, the trend has been heavily towards improving content and getting content much better. Each year, there's these massive leaps forward. It's not even incremental. It's like significantly better the content uh, that you have to produce to rank. So that would be a continuing trend. Uh, the other would be mobile first yeah. as obviously as well. But beyond that, the, the biggest impact for us has been the encroachment of Google in the search results. So much so that there's been the emergence of zero clicks where people are coming to the page <laughs> and not clicking away because Google's presenting the information to them. If you're the visitor, it's fantastic, right? But if you're a webmaster who's dependent on making money from Google search traffic, it's estimating businesses because people aren't even coming to your website because the, the result is either in a featured snippet or a, yeah. a FAQ segment or one of their info boxes. It's, it's incredible. It, it, it is what it is. What do we do about it? How do you, how do you work with that? The, the one thing that we've been focusing heavily on is, is featured snippets. So uh, getting ourselves into the featured snippet is something that myself and my team focus on a lot. The way we do that, we, we've got a few different methodologies. In terms of actual featured snippets, the one thing that we found works really well is using clever hierarchical use of header tags. So, for example, going back to the best golf drivers keyword, um, we would use a H header two H two tag, which would be a semantic variation on the H one tag. So, the H one would be best golf drivers, and then you might have comparison of the top drivers for golf or something like that. So, you're taking your keyword and then nesting semantically closely associated keywords in, you know, H twos. Exactly, and the H2. writing writing suitable content to support 
that yeah. head, each of those headlines. Yeah, okay. And so when you think about what Google wants to present on that keyword, best golf drivers, generally they want to present a list. So number one through to say number 10, and that would be in the featured snippet alongside an image. So after right. that H2, you're going to have an H3 where you're going to list out your, 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 your list of top golf drivers. Um, and then you're going to close that H2 out with, say, the next section of the page, which let's say is a buyer's guide on yep. golf drivers. We found that's helping a lot with featured snippets. All right. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting technique, and it's something anybody could do. I, I think that technique would you know, work generally across various types of keywords is clever use of H2s and H3s on the page. Yep. We also, inside the H2, just before we hit the H3, is we provide a short sentence or two which describes the, the output of the keyword. So for, um, you know, below we've listed the best golf drivers, for example. So Google can pick, pick up that content below the H2 and then get the H3s, which is the list of the actual yeah, content. Yeah. Okay, all right. And then the other thing we're using a lot of is schema markup. Mm. Uh, so this is structured data. Yeah. I use a plugin, and like most of webmasters, I use WordPress. <laughs> so all you've got to do is download a plugin, which is your head and footer plugin, and you insert the schema into the page. And literally, you can you can refresh the page, you know, update it, refresh it, put it inside Google Console for Google to recall it, and within hours, you could actually take a position inside one of the the, the structured data sets. Uh, inside Google search results. Okay, so you're using Google Search Console to to get your pages indexed quickly. Yes. If we make a significant update to the page, we yep. will log into our Google Console. We'll insert it into uh, their inspect URL yep. tool yep. and get them to recrawl the page. Now, obviously, they don't recrawl it immediately, yep. but they queue it up and hopefully recrawl it quite quickly. Do you think the the whole featured snippet schema thing is that really just a boost because so few people uh, are doing it? You know, the, the the technical requirements for understanding how to embed that are, are relatively high, and until you've discovered, yeah. you know, some of these amazing tools out there that, that help you write compliant code. But yeah. is that is that the big benefit? Do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have the statistics on me, but. If you think about a featured snippet on the search result, usually what you would have in the search results is if there's commercial intent, there's going to be some ads. Then there's going to probably be snippet, or it could be like an image pack or something. Yeah. But you know, you, you're probably halfway down the page before you get to the first organic result. Yeah. Uh, in other words, you're below the fold. <laughs> so you know, taking the featured snippet is huge. You're finding you get significant amounts of, of traffic from a from a featured snippet yeah definitely you used to be able to rank in the featured snippet and take say position one now you can only either take the featured snippet or a organic results on the page okay so your life depends on it which would you go for featured snippet would you Mm. yeah yeah Yeah. i mean just think about it like the user's eye at the browser's eye is going to be caught in the featured snippets it's nice and big it's got an image (laughs) part of the answer yeah yeah, yeah for, 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 for sure now I've, I've seen some of the eye tracker studies on the new google cert results and it is interesting we're kind of like trained dogs aren't we as searchers we've become used to the fact there's there's goodies in that right hand bar 
actually yeah. top top right that's where i gets get gets drawn even though we're reading from from left to right because what they've put in there is so good so so yeah. good it used to be full of the not so good ads now they feel yeah. with really great like that scratches my my search itch i'll have it and you don't yeah, even exactly. need to say okay all right i understand that that's, that's very very cool and so yeah. so that's some of the on-page optimization that we do how do you go about link building when you're you, you're selling affiliate the dark arts yeah exactly <laughs> like how do you do that yeah well my methodology for link building because i'm i'm more of a um what you would term a white hat seo so um i don't know if you or the audience are familiar with the different types of hats that SEO might it's, wear. But just in case for those new to it that, that aren't like white white hat. So white hat is very much about, you know, following Google best practices and guidelines. Black hat's about doing anything you can to get to the top, regardless of who gets burnt or, or hurt in the process. Yeah. And then grey hat is anywhere kind of between those Dubious. two. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about link building? Did you reach out to people and say, please link to this because it will help me make more money? I mean, does that work? <laughs> not exactly Karen. Okay. Uh, but yeah i guess the the main methodology that a lot of people would would use in the past is guest posting so reaching out to other webmasters and asking if you could write a guest post for them and obviously trying to get a backlink from them doing that so we do a variation on that where we use something called the skyscraper technique mm, okay so um, I, I just share with us how that works in a nutshell so it's just quite a popular technique, isn't it, amongst link builders? Yeah, and it, you know, it, 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 it could be argued that it maybe it doesn't as well today, but uh, I still use it. Um, so effectively, you produce a piece of informational content that is exceptionally good. Mm -hmm. So that's your skyscraper. You're trying to build something better than everyone else so that you stand out. Yeah. And usually it's informational content, so it's not commercial content that you're building. Just because people generally don't link to commercial content or freely yeah, link sure. to commercial content, yeah, whether sure. they might link to an informational piece. Um, so you create something awesome. Um, and to create something awesome, you know, you need fantastic facts and figures. You might use an infographic to illustrate your point. You might even create a video mm -hmm. or get product photography taken. But you're creating this awesome piece of content. So because yeah. links still matter and you need to get links and it's really difficult to get links. So Ultimately, the best way to get links is to follow Google's guidelines and to produce epic content. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. So really interesting to delve in this space. I find it fascinating. Guys, if you're listening, I hope you have as well. I've kind of been a bit selfish here. Just kind of you know, asking whatever I fancy asking to, to, to Mark. If we, if we want to know more about you and your work and, and content elect, we haven't spoken much about this, but content elect, obviously you're, you're helping people create content if they haven't got the time to, to create that content? Yeah, so we've got a quite a large content team that produces content for our internal portfolio of sites. Yeah. And now we do that for clients and have been doing that for the last two to three years. Is, is that just for like affiliate marketers? Initially, we actually, we started with affiliate marketers. So that's producing content like you know, best drivers, like we mentioned earlier. But over the last two years, we've actually expanded a lot into servicing small businesses. So producing content for their blog that's within their niche that targets useful keywords um, that provide value to, to their visitors yeah, yeah. and nurtures people at the top of the funnel effectively. So people who might hit their website, maybe not be familiar with their brand, read a piece of content, maybe sign up to a newsletter 
or get on a mail list or something like that and nurture them down the funnel as well as provide value to their existing customers to come back uh, and send them content and say, hey, we've produced this new piece of content and you know, upsell through your content effectively. It's a, it's, it's, it's a pull mechanism of marketing as opposed to a push mechanism like advertising. You've got an army of digital nomads writing high quality content, right? Yeah, so most of our team are based out of South Africa. And so all of our writers are based there. We've got a small team of account managers who manage individual content programs. Yeah. And we do the, the full suite. So we will, we'll effectively create a content calendar for a company, which we will agree with them. It will be targeting very specific keywords in their niche. And then over, say, a six-month period, we'll get the content produced. In my mind, when people join that team, they get given a laptop and a hammock. Is that... Is that, is that how <laughs> yeah. It? <laughs> yeah, they're welcome to work from wherever they like, whenever they like. Um, we're 100% outcomes-based organizations. And I think people, especially like the younger generations, are looking for that flexibility. And it's quite a motivating factor. Absolutely. It's a salary in itself, in my experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, look, thanks so much for, for talking to us. Really, really interesting. And uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck with it all. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning journey, get over to targetinternet.com and do our digital skills benchmark. It's completely free. It will assess all of your digital skills, tell you where your skills gaps are, and recommend lots of free content to continue your learning journey. So get over, do the Digital Marketing Skills Benchmark, and continue your learning journey today.